empower the generation that comes behind us. And it's, it's our greatest goal to empower others. But you know, if you're a parent, you know also that it's like, it's like doing battle, isn't it? I mean, being a parent, um, you know, I've heard all kind of different quotes about being a parent now that I'm a parent of middle schoolers. Um, my favorite is that being a parent of a middle schooler is a bit like being pecked to death by chickens, right? Just all the time, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's a battle, and it's a battle that you know what's at stake in, and you want to be there and win. You know that that's what's at stake. So you, you, you know that you have to win. And we're going to talk a little bit about in Joshua today, because we can all feel a little frustrated. We can all feel like, man, my shortcomings, I'm just not good enough. We can feel like our failures haunt us. We can feel a little bit like we're just not being effective. Like, I thought I got this down, I don't, and it's not coming together. And uh, we all want to leave a legacy. And I know that all of you want to leave a legacy of empowerment to help someone else live a better story, to live a better life. So today, we're going to talk about Joshua. And uh, we're going to talk about, we've been talking about the Israelites as they have They've left Egypt. They've come to the promised land. They said, no, we don't think we're going to go in there. They turned around. They 40 years. God said, well, if you don't go in, you got the desert. That's the alternative. They chose the desert. 40 years, they wander in the desert. They come back to the edge of the Jordan River, and they say, yes, God, we'll go in. They cross the Jordan River, and now this is where they are. This is the land they live in. They, they have learned that they cannot, this new generation that's coming has learned, like, we can't live in past failures. We have to be empowered to do something new. No more excuses for our sin. No more hiding behind other things. It is time to move forward. That's what Joshua's, all, the story of Joshua is all about this morning. It's about empowering a generation to give themselves wholeheartedly to God. To stand on the shoulders of the faith of the people who have come before them and so that they can see all the beauty and the incredible world that God wants to create and do it through them in their way. And so today we're going to jump in and we're going to jump into the story and understand what it means, whether you're a parent or you're someone who's just raising up and you know you need, there are people in your life that you want to turn around and you want to empower. Today we're going to jump into a story and learn the lessons of what it means to empower a new generation, to empower them and release them to God. So if you'll open up your outline this morning, um, we will get started and uh, talk a little about empowerment. Um, empowerment of the next generation starts with this first thing of returning, returning them to God. If we want to empower the next generation, we need to return them to God. Now, we all know what it means to run from God, right? I mean, the Israelites knew that well. They ran to the desert. They wandered around a lot. We all feel that, like, do something wrong, feel like, I don't even know if God wants me back after that. You know, I'm just going to run. I'm going to do my own thing. We're all recovering sin and disgrace addicts. We all have lived in that story. And if you've come to faith in Christ, and you're following Jesus, there was a reason that you made that switch in your life. It's because you wanted a better story. You didn't want the old story. You wanted a new story. And God wants to write that new story in our lives. So we're going to jump in and, and read this passage. But I just want you to know, the story today is a little bit PG-13. There's uh, some stuff in it that is really important for us to understand, and we don't really grasp in our culture as Americans. So I want to explain it to you, but I'm just warning you up front, like get your PG hat 13 hat on, because here we go. Um, here, this, the story starts in Joshua, chapter 5, verse 1. When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan 
river so that the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and they were paralyzed with fear because of them. Okay, so at, here we go. It's going to say at that time. At that time, here's what we have going on in the land. The Jordan River has backed up. It's kind of like the Susquehanna this week. Okay, The Jordan River backed up. Everybody knew it because God had made dry land so the Israelites can cross the Jordan River and it had flooded miles and miles back. So now the Israelites have crossed from one side of the Jordan to the other and they're sitting right on the precipice, right in the middle of the like, beginning of the enemy territory. They're about to do battle. They're about to do something new that the generation before them couldn't do. They wandered the desert for 40 years and now they're, they're it, right? You ever feel like you're in the hot seat? Like this is it. This is it. That's what they're feeling. And so at that time, Joshua, Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise this generation of Israelites. Now, how would you like to make that announcement? Like you get the announcement sheet for Sunday, right? Like, hey, this week we have some opportunities for you. You can connect in a home group. You can be circumcised. All males, here's the opportunity to be circumcised, right? You know, all males would be like, oh, yeah, that sounds really great. Where's that happening at? Right? We're all like hightailing it out of here. You can see the picture, the thing on the scoop. I bet the response card would have lots of responses. Write circumcision on your card today, right? Not happening. I bet we get no response cards that day at all. So this is what jo- Lord tells Joshua. And you know, we, don't, we don't really get circumcision. We don't really know much about circumcision because when our kids are young and you're, they're in the hospital and the doctor comes and talks to you about circumcision, he says things like, well, there's medical benefits and here's the deal, but he doesn't really talk to you about what circumcision is really about. There's medical benefits, but that's not really what it's about. You see, circumcision started in Genesis 17. When God made a covenant with a man named Abraham, the beginning of this whole story, when God said at the day that he spoke with Abraham and in that story, he said, listen, this whole sin thing, this whole rebellion thing that humanity has done, it's on my shoulders. You're not going to be responsible for it. I'm going to take the whole thing on my shoulders and I'm making a covenant and a promise with you, Abraham, and your descendants. And through you, will come Christ, and Christ will redeem the entire planet. And through your descendants, the Israelites, they will be witnesses of my faithfulness. Today I make that covenant with you. But Abraham, this is serious business. You are not to take this lightly. This is not just about my commitment to you. This is about your commitment to me. And so today when we make this this covenant, we make it with blood. We make it serious. And so he told Abraham, you and your servants, and your slaves, and all the people of your house, everybody, everybody gets circumcised. All the males will be circumcised. Now, you need to understand what happens in that process, right? I mean, I know guys are already wincing like, but this affected everybody. When circumcision happened of a whole community like that, every male is down and out. You have no warriors. You have no protection. Nothing's going on. So the Israelites are camping where? In enemy territory. Now, they're afraid of them, but they're still in enemy territory. Do you, if you're camped in the middle of enemy territory, does it make any sense at all to take all your best warriors and say, why don't we wound you so that you can't recover and can't possibly fight? Does that, right? That's not a good strategy. But it's not about having a good strategy. It's about God's strategy. It's about a renewal covenant. It's about God saying, in this moment, I empower you. I'm going to do something totally new. Circumcision is about vulnerability. 
That's the essence of it. You will find circumcision throughout Scripture actually referenced in our hearts. Like, I want you to circumcise your heart. What does that mean? It means that you're to become vulnerable, totally vulnerable to God. It's a, it's a moment of dedication. It's a moment of commitment. And it's a moment of total vulnerability. God, I lay it all out there for you. I am who I am. And only you can transform me. My family, everything is in your hands. It's a way of returning to God. Let's keep moving through the passage. And so Joshua made flint knives. He circumcised the entire male population of Israel. He had to circumcise them because all the men who were old enough to fight in battle, when they left Egypt, they had died in the wilderness. And those who were left from Egypt, had, all the people who left Egypt had been circumcised. But none of those who were born after the exodus had been circumcised. Okay, so you should be asking yourself this question, right? Why not? If this was a covenant made with Abraham long before Egypt, and it had been done when they left Egypt, why is it no longer done? On the eighth day, a male should be circumcised. That's what the covenant he made with God made with Abraham said. It's what Jesus, what Jesus' parents did to him. So God himself submitted to the same ritual. Why not in the desert? Why ignore this ritual? You think it's because they were this generation who had said no to God. They were ashamed. They felt it, right? They you ever felt like that? Like I you know, like when your parents or your friends is your kids are in the room and they're about to tell a story that you know you don't really want your kids to know. Right? And you're like, no, don't tell that story. They will get ideas for themselves. I don't want them knowing anything about that. They lived with this for 40 years. Disobedience led to disobedience. And so they, had, they felt like, we can't even go back to God. I'm not even going to face God. And because, they, because they didn't realize that God has always wanted them back, they didn't pass on. They didn't empower this next generation. But God wanted them to. He, he wanted a renewed commitment. And so in this moment, he says, circumcise all the males. Because in this moment, there's going to be a renewed vulnerability, a renewed commitment to a cause that needs to be taken care of. And we need to be careful that our preoccupation with our own failures and our own fears does not keep us from empowering the generation that comes after us. We need to be careful that we don't get so preoccupied with our own junk that we can't help the generation, that we fear so much passing on our stuff that we're not returning them to God, that we're not returning to God ourselves. Sometimes we think that, you know, we got, God's got like some clicker up there and he's counting. Up, oh, you did it again. Up, two, three, four, five. And what, what happens when you think like that? You don't want to go back to God, right? Because you know he's just clicking off another time. The problem is we don't understand that God's clicker works backwards. It goes 39, 38, 37, 36. I know you're coming back. You're going to get this thing licked and we're going to do it together because he loves you that much. And we need to get a new mindset, not to be preoccupied, but to empower, to return to God and empower a generation that comes after us. And the worst part for this generation was they had to die off before the new generation can be empowered. Why is it that they had to die off before they could empower their sons and their daughters to stand on their shoulders of faith and say, I know that you're going to build this second floor a whole different way. I knew there's going to be a new wineskin. You're not going to do it the way I did. You're not going to make the same decisions as I did. But stand on my shoulders of faith and I will return you to God and help you to see his view of the world, to see the goodness that he sees through you and will accomplish 
through you. We need to have kind of a no-fear parenting. You know, like, God, I trust in you. We need to constantly return our kids to God and have ceremonial reminders for them to say, let's go back to God with this. Parents, may I remind you that your children are not yours. They don't belong to you. They have been given to you to steward. And that comes with both an awesome weight, doesn't it? And yet, an awesome freedom to know that God loves your kids more than you ever could. And no matter what your mess-ups are along the way, He will make up for them because they belong to Him. And yet an awesome responsibility of God's given you everything you need to bring them back to Him, to return them to God. Our kids need constant reminders. You know, I, I went through uh, Men's Frat, like the first year of Men's Frat, which is one of our connecting groups here, Daybreak. And coming out of Men's Frat, you make this thing called a manhood plan. And a manhood plan is all about like, okay, take what, you've, what you know now about what God's called you to be as a man and apply it to your life. Write a plan for how you're going to apply this to your life and how you're going to apply it both not just as a husband or as a man, but as a father. And so out of that, I've begun to write ceremonies for my sons to return them to God. We've talked about them knowing that Christ, Christ knew what friendship looked like and that friendships, friendships determine destiny. Gathering the right people around you to go the distance is vital. So we'll, next year I've been talking to them about this, like their 13-year-old into manhood, their first ceremony, and they're like, Dad, what is that all about? What's going to happen there? I'm like, oh, no, I don't tell you any of those secrets. And I think the more I hold back from them, the more they're scared of what's going to happen. So yeah, that's, that's not so bad, right? So we, we plan these ceremonies of them going through like their first like, at 13 and 16 and 18, and when they get married, like all of these ceremonies for them to return to God and to know in these moments and the things that they face, that they, they can face them with God. You need those things for your kids. You need those things for the people, the generation that follows you, those who you mentor to say, stand on my shoulders of faith. Let me help you come back to God and return to him. Empowerment starts with us returning ourselves to God and bringing those that come along with us, that we're mentoring, that we're responsible for, bringing them back to God as well. Now, inevitably, when we're returning to God, like our kids or those that we feel deeply about, we're returning them to God, something happens in our hearts, right? Something begins to spin for us. It's called, I call it the worry monster. Well, what if, what if like this thing, that they're, this trail they're going down, like I'm returning them to God, God, they're yours. What if the trail they're going down is going to totally wreck their lives forever? <gasps> right? We try to control. We go back to maybe I should control their lives. Or what if we worry about what if, what if I didn't give them enough? What if I didn't say the right thing? And, and we start fearing for their future. So when we return them to God, we need to get to this next place in the story that God demonstrates for us. And that's trusting God to provide for their future. We need to learn how to trust God to provide for their future. You know, the biggest problem with the future is that it keeps turning into the present. When it's way out there, it seems like it's just way out there, but you know it's coming, and that's what kind of causes you to panic. One day, your kids are in diapers, filling landfills, you know, with their junk, and the next day, they're middle schoolers, and they're smarter and wittier than you are, and they know how to push your buttons, and they like it. And the next day, they're 18, and they're making decisions. You're like, ah, Keep my mouth shut and hold my tongue. It goes fast. The future comes like the commercial. You know, life comes at you fast. It's what it feels like when you're parenting and when you're mentoring. 
when the story of Joshua, Joshua 5, we get to this new place and circumcision is happening. There's a special day. God is empowering this generation. And it says in Joshua 5 that when the, while the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated the Passover on the evening of the 14th day in the first month, the month that marked their exodus from Egypt. Okay, let's just hit the pause button for a second. Passover, another one of these things we don't really get. We don't celebrate it very often. What's it all about? So rewind the tape. Go back to Egypt. Israelites are about to get out. Remember the story of Moses. Moses is talking to the Pharaoh, let my people go. And the Pharaoh keeps being resistant to it. God keeps putting curses and like plagues and famines and all this stuff on the land of Egypt because Pharaoh is resistant to his will. And finally, in the last thing that Pharaoh does, he calls down the curse out of his own words. He calls down the curse on all the people of Egypt, including the Israelites. Their firstborn will die. And God comes to Moses and says, listen, I have provided a way out for you. Kill an innocent lamb, spread the blood over the door, and you will be passed over. The angel of death will not strike down your sons. You will be passed over. It's a pretty big deal. So thus comes Passover. Passover is then celebrated. It's celebrated continually. It happens on this day where they remember, remember where we came from. Passover is about that moment of uncertainty when you don't know what's coming in the future, and yet God comes in and says, redemption, there is hope, there is redemption for you. When does Passover show up in the New Testament? Right at the end of the Gospels, right before Christ dies on the cross and rises again, he sits with his, has dinner with his disciples. They're celebrating Passover, and he says, listen, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised again. You think disciples were a little uncertain? You think they need a little hope? A little bit like parenting, right? We're a lot uncertain, and we need a little bit of hope. We need God to entrust us with hope. This is Passover, circumcision, Passover. You see what God's doing here, empowering this generation goes on to say, so the very next day they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared that day, and it was never seen again. From that time on, the Israelites ate the crops of Canaan. Okay, no manna appeared. What's that all about? Forty years in the desert, wandering around, God provides manna every day. It's like going to the you know, the, the convenience store right across the street. Hey, kids, go to the convenience store, get some manna. And while you're out, go to Aunt Sally's because she's got that thousand ways to make ma- manna recipe book. You know, like manna casserole, manna crumb cake, manna whatever, manna, 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 manna. This is what they got. So for 40 years, all these kids grow up in an environment where they didn't have to go farm. They didn't have to do any of that. They just, you walk outside in the morning, except for Sabbath. You get the manna, you bring it in. Mom makes it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now, I know manna gets old, but it's kind of convenient. But on this day, across the Jordan, they're about to enter a whole new way of life. God is empowering them. He says, on this day, no more manna. You are about to go to battle. I'm about to do something entirely new. There is, you're on this precipice of uncertainty, but I'm about to give you hope. And today, you eat from the land of Canaan. Today, I provide for you in a whole new way. God wants to provide for your kids. God wants to provide for the next generation in a whole new way. And we need to be prepared to release them into that, to trust them. And it, you know, it gets a little confusing as a parent, right? Like you want your kids to live a better story. You want them to have what they need. But there are days like just when you think you got it down, like, oh, I think I know what they need. And you start, you start doing that. It all changes. And you're like, 
oh, it's a disaster again. I thought, I thought we were past this. I thought we needed to get there. And there you are again in that same spot. And we realize, wow, I, I need to come back. I need to, God, help me to understand again. What is it that my kids need? How do I help them? How do I, how do I trust you, God, to provide for things I don't even know how to provide for? What are their deepest needs? What are the ways that we need to empower the next generation so that they can live a new way? Not just teach them what I've learned, but allow God to speak into them so that they can live a whole new way. There are three basic needs, three basic needs of all people that Tim, that, uh, Tim Kimmels talks about in his book, Grace-Based Parenting. And here are the three needs. The first one is security. Every human being has a deep need for security. And that need for security is met by love. When we express love, when we accept people, when we honor them, when we celebrate their uniqueness, these are all ways of expressing love, of helping them feel secure. We need to do this. We need to express genuine affection. And I've heard, I've heard guys and gals talk about like, well, hugging wasn't really a big thing in my family, so I don't hug. You know what? If you're in God's family, God gives hugs. It's what he does. So you need to express genuine affection. You need to get over the stuff of the past and express love. Go beyond yourself. Do something new. God wants to express, meet that need of security through love. That's how it's met. Second need is significance. And the need for significance is met by purpose. When we give people purpose, when we speak purpose into their lives, when we help them, find it by regularly affirming them. It helps them discover their purpose and feel that, that idea of purpose. And that's hard. You know, sometimes with your kids, you're like, you feel like there are some days that you're just like, I felt like I just yelled at my kids all day. Like that's, that's, all we, that's how we related the entire day long because it was just a bad day. I'm sure you've all felt that too, right? Where it just feels like, it feels like it's disaster all day long and you don't know how to get it better. And you feel like, oh, that I wish I could just find something to affirm. I want so much for success for them and purpose. It is our goal. It is our, it is our job to let God's grace flow through us and to affirm them, to find places to affirm them, even when you're exhausted from it, to give them our attention and to gracefully admonish them. You've ever done the, like, the big gauntlet, like when your kids do something, you're like, okay, that's it. You may not touch the TV for the rest of your life. I'm taking your iPod forever and throwing it in the toilet. I am flushing everything out. For the rest of your life, you will sit at the counter and do homework, and if it takes electricity, you are not allowed to have it. You've been there, right? You said that speech, haven't you, right? So you know what this is about. We need to learn. If we're going to give our kids a sense of significance, we've got to learn how to like do like I was talking to a, a, a lady last night at a wedding and she was, her son was getting married and we were talking about raising kids. She said, yeah, there was a time where I looked at one of my kids, they were giving me all this lip and I looked at them and said, run. And they were like, what? They said, run, go to your room and lock yourself in there because I'm about to kill you. Like, <laughs> love honesty, right, about parenting. But here's the deal, right? Like she said, I, I just, I needed to be separate so that I could gracefully admonish and I couldn't gracefully admonish in that minute, in that moment, I would, like there was just too much emotion going on. I don't know what it's going to take with you, but learn what it takes to gracefully admonish. Set up consequences and then walk your kids through them. Lead them through those moments. Lead that generation so you can empower them. The last thing, the human need that they talk about being a basic human need is strength. The need for strength. And strength is met by hope. It's how we, it's how we give our kids strength. Now it is tempting. It is really tempting when trying to give your kids strength to give them a safe hope rather than a strong hope. 
here's the difference. A safe hope is when you bubble your kids, right? You wrap them in a little bubble and you say, I'll protect them from everything bad that happens in the world. I'll, you know, someone passed away, I won't tell them about it. I'm just going to protect them from everything and not let anything bad, because maybe if I do this, maybe they won't have all the same bad choices and things that I had to go through. It's tempting, is it? Sometimes it even turns into legalism. Don't do this. Don't do that. We only do this. You have to do it this way. I don't care if God's leading you down this path. We don't go down that path. We choose safety. We have a safe hope. But God is not calling us and empowering the next generation to give them a safe hope. God didn't tell the Israelites, hey, here's a safe hope. Right? That's what they chose the first time, and it ended up 40 years in the desert. God wants us to give them a strong hope. A hope that says, in this world there is trouble. But I will help you process that trouble. I will help you see that God is greater than that trouble. That God is greater than evil. That goodness does win. And that there are costs to it but they're worth paying because they will great benefit in your soul. Our kids need that. They need a strong hope and they need us to invest into them and process it with them. Listen, I've learned, I've learned a lot so far in my parenting journey and I have a lot more to learn. I mean, I, I fall down a lot. I, I yell when I should be calm. I probably go too easy when I should go harder. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I just, you know, you ever feel that way? I just don't know what I'm doing. And so this is the one thing I've learned on this journey. I will never fill all the gaps in my kids' lives. I'll never fill all the gaps that they need. But I can give them this one thing, a relationship with Christ and an understanding of grace so that they can follow God. So my question for you, in this legacy that you want to leave, like what are you going to leave? I, sometimes I just need it boiled down simply. So these three needs, these three ways of doing it, let me give you just three phrases that you can say and act out for your kids that will cover their bases. One is I love you. You need to say that to your kids. You need to act that out for your kids. I love you all the time. Second thing, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. They need to have purpose and hope and, and strength. I'm proud of you. And the third one, you're good at. All the time, you need to bring them back to that. You're good at. They need to be reminded of these things. And in doing it, when you feel like, I don't have it all together, I'm not getting it all right, and you ask yourself that question of, what am I, what am I handing down? You need to find an answer. We're all handed down something. It's not like they started with these. They were handed down to them. And probably their daddies didn't know any better. I'm not even sure if they knew what they were doing. Maybe so. But maybe not hard to tell.
you've been handed down, you don't have to keep it. He says that Jesus gives you the power to replace it with something way better. Then, you can hand it down to your little boy or your little girl. When daddies do this, it makes us very, very happy. Just one more thing. My daddy told me that the most important message he could teach me was this. It's never too late. He says that it's never too late for anyone to have something better handed down to them. He says that the circle can be closed. And he says that it can happen today. Scripture says that God's grace is sufficient to cover all of your weakness and that His power is made perfect in your weakness. So when you feel like, I don't have it all together, I don't know what I'm doing, you can trust God for the future of your children. You can trust Him that He will make up for all the difference. You can trust that God's got this incredible plan And he's going to use you as you return to him and trust him for the future. He's going to use you to empower your kids, empower the next generation. Listen, God's got an amazing plan for the generations that are coming up. He had this amazing plan for this new generation of Israelites to use them in a whole new way, to do something new in their lives. And he has an amazing plan for your kids, for those that you're mentoring and bringing along. He has an amazing plan to do something wholly new in the world with them. But to be empowered, they need more than just a hint that God blesses them. They need more than just an idea that that's true. Because in the midst of parenting, in the midst of admonishing, like you say, hey, don't do that. Ah, we shouldn't have gone down this road. What do your kids feel? It's not your fault. What do they feel? I can't do anything right. I can't get this right. I'm no good. They need God's blessing, and it's our job to bring it. So let's talk a little bit about an empowerment, how we can declare God's blessing over this generation. Blessing is kind of a strange concept for most of us. We don't know what it means to be blessed, to have someone speak blessing over us. So um, let me just read to you what Henry Nouwen says blessing is. It's a really simple definition. To bless means to say good things. It's just that simple. To bless means to say good things. We need to bless each other constantly because in this world, the curses that we live with are strong. Anytime you're corrected, what do you feel like? Ah, ah, see, I'm not good enough. Anytime something goes wrong in your life or a relationship kind of spins in turmoil, you're like, ah, I'm not accepted. I'm not loved. Like you hear the curse so loudly that every place we need go, every place that we come to, we need to bring God's blessing. We need to declare God's blessing and to say the good things of God. 
Henry Nouwen says that we forget so quickly that we are God's beloved children. And we allow the many curses of our world to darken our hearts. Therefore, we need to be reminded constantly of our belovedness. And then we need to remind others of theirs. We need to bring God's belovedness to the world and to our kids and declare blessings over them. So Joshua 5, this is what God is doing in Joshua 5. We have circumcision, we have Passover, we have this, hey, no more manna, there's a whole new provision for your future. I'm going to do something amazing here. And he raises up, it says in Scripture, he raised up the sons in the place of their fathers. What their fathers couldn't accomplish, what they weren't ready, what they lived with this thing in Egypt and they were so long slaves of Egypt and they just they couldn't make it into the promised land. He allowed their sons to stand on their shoulders, to go farther than they could go, to do something new. He raised up them in their place and after circumcision and after there was healing, this is what he says. He says, the Lord said to Joshua, today, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so this place has been called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal actually means, in Hebrew, to roll something heavy away. It's what God did on that day. He rolled away something heavy. They had carried the slavery of Egypt. They had carried the disobedience at the Jordan River to go in. These guys had carried this on their shoulders, wore it like a scarlet letter all of their lives. These things that they had done, they thought just marked them, and it was terminal. And God said, no, this is not terminal. This will not go through all generations. It stops here. Today, I roll away all of the reproach, all of the shame. It's all gone. We need to have healing, and healing begins with confession, with going to God and returning to Him and saying, no no more, God, I need blessing. I need you to turn the, the table on all of this. It's one thing to ask for forgiveness, right? God, forgive me for that. But it's a whole nother thing to experience it. It's a whole other thing to experience it. John 1.9 says that if we, are, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us. John 1.9 says we are, we're forgiven if you just have to ask and you'll be forgiven. It says in Psalms 103 that when God forgives us, He separates our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. They are no more. He sees them no more. They are gone. But the problem is with shame, it's sticky business. It sticks to us. And though we've asked for forgiveness, shame and guilt still stick on us like glue, like that, you know, have you ever had like the caulking stuff you put around your tub and stuff? It just sticks to you and you're like, ah, you wash your hands, you try to get it off and it just won't come off. But God says that in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Romans 8.1, you do not need to be condemned any longer. You no longer need to feel shame. And that's what God was saying to the Israelites. And it's what he's saying to you. No longer do you need to carry the shame of the things that happened in the past. I've given you a new story. And if you're going to empower the next generation, you need to live out that new story. To know that I have given you hope for a future. An empowerment for our children and for the generation that follows us comes when we continually speak blessing over them. When no matter what else has happened in our family and in the people that we're invested into, we come back to them and we speak the good things of God over them. We empower them because it heals them from shame. By speaking God's blessing, it turns the table again and says, listen, just because you did wrong doesn't mean you are wrong. Just because you chose 
badly doesn't mean that you are bad. Just because you fail does not mean you're a failure. And we speak God's blessing over them. It's God's call to us. So no matter where you find yourself today, no matter where you are in the generations, you need to know that God believes in you, that you are His beloved. And today you can choose a new value, a value of empowerment to empower your kids, to give them back to God and say, I am going to speak love over you. I'm going to return you. And I am going to trust God for your future. And I am going to speak continual blessing over you so that you know, you know how God feels about you. So I want to take a moment right now. And I want to pray. And here's why. Because some of you know what that shame is that you still carry. and You need to be released from it today. It's sticking to you like glue and you know that you need God to repeal it. You need God to release it. You've asked for God for forgiveness, but you've not felt forgiven. Today's your day to meet God and know forgiveness. No more shame so that you can empower the next generation. And you need to do this because no matter where you find your life, yourself in your life, God's word challenges you like this. Today I have given you the choice between life and death between blessings and curses. And I call on heaven and earth today as my witness for the choice you will make. Oh, that you would choose life, that you and your descendants might live, that you would choose to love the Lord your God and call to Him and obey Him and commit yourself to Him, for He is your life. Let's pray. Lord, today we want to choose life. We want to choose empowerment to see a generation stand on our shoulders of faith, go places that we could never go, and do it in ways that we could never do it. And it starts with confession. Today, God, will you remove our shame? Will we remove the things of our past that might hold us back from that? Today, right where you are sitting in your seat, you can have that release. You can say it in your heart right where you are. Jesus, Today, I trust in your word that you will remove my sin as far as the east is from the west. Forgive me for fill in the blank. Forgive me. Today, may your grace flow into me. May I feel free from your love. Today, Lord God, we embrace empowerment. We trust that you have an incredible grand vision and purpose for the, for the generation that follows us and we will live it out. We will return them to you. We will come back to you. We will know what vulnerability it means to circumcise our hearts and our beings to you, to dedicate ourselves to you. Not doing our plan, doing yours. God, today we trust you for the future of the generation that we're raising, that we're pouring into. Will you provide for them not our way, your way. God, today, give us blessing. Free from shame to speak blessing of their belovedness, how much they're loved by you, how much value they have. God, give us the words to say. Holy Spirit, speak through us. In Jesus' name, amen.
a pen and a page And I started writing just what I'd say If we were face to face I'd tell you just what you mean to me Tell you these simple truths Be strong in the Lord and never give up you're gonna do great things, I already know God's got His hand on you, so don't live life in fear Forgive and forget, but don't forget why you're here Take your time and pray These are the words I would say hurting and I felt your pain in my heart and I want to tell you that I keep on praying love will find you where you are I know cause I've already been there so please hear these simple truths be strong in the Lord and Never give up hope You're gonna do great things I already know God's got His hand on you So don't live life in fear Forgive and forget But don't forget why you're here Take your time and pray These are the words I would say From one simple life to another resonating through my mind through the service today is hope. When we had the 9-11 moment and we thought about all of the devastation and all of the tragedy, and yet even out of those ashes there comes hope. Men and women who are willing to stand up and do what is right, there's hope. And then as I listened to Pastor Sean speak today, realizing again that there's hope because it's God who empowers. It's not by my strength. And there's hope because we don't have to shrink back in fear. And it's not about being safe, but it's about being strong because God empowers us. And as a result, he works through us to empower the people that come behind us. And I think about that in terms of my kids and what I want to instill in them and pass on to them. 
And I think about that in terms of the other grown-ups in my life, of the ways that I want to be able to pass on that hope and leave a legacy of hope. I don't know what God was speaking to you today about being empowered to make a difference, but we are all in a position where we are empowered by God to influence the people around us, be it our children, be it our family, be it our coworkers. We're in a position to empower other people, the people that come beyond us. And my prayer is that they will go further than I ever did. <laughs> maybe I didn't make it to the promised land. Maybe they will. That's my prayer, is that my kids and the people around me will go further than I ever even did. I don't know what God is speaking to you today. I'm, I'm hoping you're hearing his words of empowerment and his words of hope to you today as well. And this is the point in the service where we want you to consider that, what you're hearing from God. There's a blue card in your program guide. You can fill that out on the front, just your name and information. On the back, there's a place for your response to God. And I encourage you in these next few moments to consider what God is saying to you about empowering the next generation, empowering the people that will come behind you with maybe it's his hope, maybe it's getting rid of the shame, maybe it's declaring blessing. I, I don't know what it is for you, but I encourage you to take these next few moments as the worship team sings to just consider what God is asking you specifically to do or to remember or to process about empowering the next generation.
King. You are the words that I sing. You are the reason I make this. 